Okay, everybody, welcome, welcome to our live stream tonight. Uh, sorry for the delay. Uh, this is uh, due to uh, we're waiting for our guests to come online and, and all. But uh, tonight we really do have a really um, a special session because, you know, um, let's be, be honest, when Vasan mentioned, you know, our guest speaker mentioned about uh, his travel last year to Central America, we were just, wow, he started this project and he decided to go uh, across uh, Central America. And just to hear that already kind of gave me like goosebumps and to then see him come back and, uh, you know, it was great to see him come back in what, in safely and uh, and I think it's really good uh, what I felt from his sharing. Uh, and, and for those of you who are tuning in, I'm also going to hear uh, Vasan's story uh, firsthand. And so Vasan, let me just give a bit of an introduction to our special guest speaker. Vasan is someone I met during my journey in, uh, uh, back in 2016 when I joined this program called My Core. So last week, uh, if you're tuned in uh, with our guest, Arik, uh, we talked about My Core. So he was one of our head uh, experience coordinator. And, and that was how I met Vasan. And Vasan ever since then has been, become somebody, I would say a mentor, a leader, and somebody who is inspiring a lot of us uh, even to today as well. There's a couple of them who, you know, I could just mention uh, to Nicholas, uh, but Vasan has been there thick and thin. He's one of the guys that, you know, when uh, we all have been discouraged, he has been there to guide us. And so to hear his story going all the way to Central America, uh, that is something really, really, um, uh, really, really amazing. Uh, so without further ado, uh, we'll uh, start in about, just give a little bit of uh, 10 seconds and then we'll officially begin. So we'll see you shortly. I'm, I'm here, Jesse. Uh, <laughs> those are big words, bro. <laughs> yeah. Those are very big words. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Cambodia, especially. Uh, da, da, da. You guys did everything. I was basically doing nothing. <laughs> just sitting there making sure you guys don't kill yourselves. That's it. <laughs> I, I, I have to I have to just mention that because okay, so you know I started off a bit uh, early on, but you can see here I have to give a bit of a mention. Uh, number one, I have to put the influence uh, how he had uh, impact. you know you have played a uh, impact in our lives. And I guess for our uh, there, there is some of our speakers, uh, our guests here, Arik also can testify that uh, you know we've been touched and we've been you know moved by uh, your your leadership, and I'm pretty sure Arik's growth into where he was into uh, becoming a head uh, experience coordinator has all came down through the learnings and process. Uh, that you uh, shared with us. So really, really, uh, I, 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 we are just, you know, very amazed to just have you uh, to come on board to share about your story uh, on, uh, on your journey to Central America. And I think far more importantly, I'd just like to share uh, here 
for everyone. So my, our my call last week we didn't uh, mention about the rough date, but the influence he had, you, you know, on our lives. Sorry, it's not 2015. Forgive me, it's 2016. Um, so we started April 2016, um, and that's where I met. And you know, throughout that three months, that three months of influence had a lot of impact uh, that he uh, Vasan had played in my life. So. Yeah, really, Basin. I think on behalf of our, the volunteers for my call one, those who are tuning in live, uh, mm-hmm. we can't. I can speak on behalf of them because you know we caught up and we just say how much you have been truly. Uh, uh, you know, words cannot describe. I'm struggling for words to describe how you are to us, but you're like a big brother, a big father, and mentor and leader. So, really, really appreciate uh, uh, your. Your, your tremendous impact to us, lah, Basin, really. Yeah, man, thank, thank you very, very much for the acknowledgement. Um, it be fair to be very honest, I was able to do what I did well, with your batch or the previous pilot, uh, the pilot Michael batches, because you guys were ready. Mm. You, guys, you guys were ready. You, you guys actually sacrificed all you had. Some of, some of you were working, some of you right after school and you guys still went all the way to nowhere actually just to help strangers right um to be honest you one of my biggest inspirations were you guys right the the fact that you are you're able to do what you did in cambodia and that that moved me a lot also one uh, one of the reasons that i am doing what i'm doing today so that context you guys are great man thank you very much for that thank you very much for allowing me to work with you guys and get things done mm. yeah. it was a great experience i think without i think without this we wouldn't have met so many new people i wouldn't have known you nicholas and everybody and to sure. see the things that you are doing just brings a lot of heart uh brings brings a lot uh, of memories uh, and brings, more importantly, bring a lot of life lessons for us to reflect. And that's why I personally think, you know, to wrap up our live session for this year, uh, don't get me wrong, this is not putting high expectations on you, Martin, but- No, I'm I, shaking. <laughs> <laughs> but um, your, your impact, uh, your story when you went over, which we will discuss really in uh, shortly, what you've uh, went through. Uh, and by the way, for those tuning in, right, when Basin told me of all the places he went through and I did all these places, I had to drop him a text today and just say, Basin, where, which area did you go? You know, it's like so <laughs> many places in the villages. And when I completed the whole thing, you know, later you guys will see the impacts or the, the, the journey he traveled. I look at it, I'm just, wow, I'm just so inspired. And um, yeah, I can't wait for you to, you know, just share a few things with us. I really thank, thank you for coming on board to, to just share a little bit of, uh, of, your, of, of your journey. Because I, I as well, I probably never heard the full story of what you did. So this is also my first time going to experience uh, your whole journey. Lah. Yeah. yeah. And thanks for having me, bro. Uh, like, I did want to share the story, but I just uh, was picking the right platform. 
Yeah. And uh, when you approached me, I was like, yeah, why not? I am doing a lot of things I'm doing today, as I say, because of you guys. So I would come here first before going anywhere else. So yeah, man. I'm 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 glad I'm glad I'm doing this with you and I'm glad you have this much followers who are looking forward to uh, create some kind of change to the world around them and beyond. It's 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 great that coming back, one of the people that I'm super impressed with is you, like, to be very honest. You've been bringing people together, doing stuff, and today if you're able to bring this many people to come and just listen to you talk. This is this is great achievement and stuff. Um, that if you, you said you guys look at me like a dad or like father or something in that context, I'm like really proud of you. Like, I'm super proud of you. Thank and you. And everyone else from my call, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like man, I know. I, when I when I when I came back and um, everyone got excited. We had that meet up. I met a few of them and. Like the love you guys share, even after all these years, man, it's it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Like I personally, I think for me, that's Malaysia. That's being a Malaysian. It's it's great. It's great. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I uh, uh, I think you know we we've, we've talked about that. I think uh, okay. Welcome, uh, Mozari. Mozari is tuning in as well. Uh, Reza, so you can see he's watching as well. Welcome, and you know. Uh, yeah, it's good to see some of our Michael friends slowly tuning in. Reza, Reza, uh, a joy. Man, I miss, I, I miss your made up laugh, Reza. I really miss your made up laugh. Yeah, Reza, if you're tuning in, uh, just drop a comment. But we do miss you, we miss uh, your flamboyant. The, 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 the thing I missed you about is the joy you bring, as 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 Vasan has mentioned. The joy you bring, the flamboyant you bring to the team is just what we needed, you know, during that time. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. really salute you, Reza, what you're doing. Hopefully we get to, you know, all of us get to meet up uh, one day. Lah. But uh, yeah, without further ado, I think, you know, there's some things that we didn't really know about Basim before, you know, mm -hmm. I got to know you a little bit. So, you know, uh, just before we dive in into the main context, you know, perhaps you like to just share a little bit of your life. Um, what do you do? What's your passion? And what what do you believe? Or what's your future plans ahead? You know. Ah, all right. So before all of this started, uh, I worked in a bank, and um, few things happened in life that I had to like. I just gave up, resigned. Uh, I was traveling a bit. Uh, I was being full-on hippie, walking around with no flip-flops, just going against the system and just complaining about everything in life. Uh, so when I came back from traveling, I met this very close friend of mine, uh, Ilyas. Uh, and uh, he took me in. I was staying with him for a year. And the entire family are trainers. They go to trainings and they're trainers and whatnot. Um, so through them, I got exposed to the training industry and a few startups. So I got introduced in the industry. I was being mentored by a few trainers at that point. When um, I got introduced to Epic, Epic Homes, and then the Epic Homes, uh, that's when uh, there was a project in Kelantan sponsored by uh, Prudence Foundation where we were building homes for the flood victims. If I'm not mistaken, it was about 2015, I guess, 
Uh, so I was there. Uh, my my responsibility was to manage the volunteers and the campsite where the volunteers come. So basically in Kelantan, uh, the village was like up, up, up in the mountain, everything got washed up. It's really hard to get in. And uh, we, Epic, we were bringing in uh, 100 volunteers a week. Mm -hmm. So the volunteers come in, they stay there, we, are, we provide accommodation, food, and they volunteer and build the houses. They stay there for a week, they go off, we have one or two days off, and then another batch will come in. So that, I think, was my one of my first exposures to giving, like taking care of people. I do a lot of, uh, I've been in soup kitchens, I've been in uh, like volunteering sessions with friends, like one or two day weeks, right? But to be able to stay there in that village, uh, be with the villagers, just working with them, and uh, being part of the village, learning from them. And they, they were strong, man. They lost everything, but they, they were still giving whatever they had. <laughs> like, oh, like, like they, they're, they're still in touch till today. Like, I think three or four days back, one of the villagers sent me a message asking me, Bila mana balik kampung? Oh, he got no. that close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got, he got like really close. Uh, the experience was great. And being able to see 100 different volunteers every week, and seeing their heart, the willingness to give, like with no expectation, like it was, it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. And um, yeah, man, like we got close with the villagers. We built the house, and uh, when we did the handover, when 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 I saw the joy in their faces, it, it's a it, it's a nice high. A high, like I like the high. So yeah, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to start doing this. So apart from working with all this, I was also getting into training. So to answer your question, what do I do? Uh, today I'm a trainer. I do team building. I do corporate training. And now I'm slowly moving into community building and youth development training, the character building. That's crazy. Right? That, that's crazy. Yeah. I think for those who are tuning in, if you need somebody who really to guide you to really mentor you for team buildings or whatever i can assure you that um and this is speaking to heart i'm not saying out of what but i really believe you know when when we went under Barson's training i really can feel uh the growth that we've learned and you really did empower us and so for those tuning in, empowering, you just heard what Vasan said. Go and look for him. He's back from, uh, you know, he's back from Central America, uh, uh, which he will explain how long he was there. But once you hear that, I mean, you know, to see what he's doing right now to move on, you know, life would be a bit boring if you stay in one place. You know, I, I always believe that each, each uh, part of our lives, we will, it's, it's not meant for us to stay in one position and forever, let's say, for example, I'm going to be forever doing video production. No, we have to move on and do different things in life. What are you planning to do in the next four years or five years? Can't be in one just area, right? Otherwise, life would be a bit boring. And to hear, <laughs> hear Basen doing all this, I mean, from being from a banker to doing all this, that's, that's you know, that's, Incredible. Uh, the other person I can think of, Vasan, who, who 
who is on a similar path was Gayu. I remember she gave up her job just to do. Yep, yep. I think I remember a few did that. With, um, with... I can't remember names, but a few of you actually left your jobs to be part of the program. Yes. Uh, man, that, that's insane. <laughs> That's that's insane, yeah. I know it's like oh, I'm just left your job. I'm like, what? And you left yeah, yeah. a full-time job in a bank in a managerial position and you just left. And I'm just saying, wow, the heart is hey, but it's 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 the passion that moves us, yeah. Um hey, it's talking about passion, that would be your next question. Like yes. a lot of us are passionate about something or not passionate about something. And when we are passionate, we can see from the results and the being and how we are and how we um, express ourselves. And then when you're not passionate, you can see that as well. So from yeah. what I saw, you guys were really passionate to be out there and to do something for the people around you. Not only the villages that we were working with, but, but your, your teams. Like you, You guys wake up knowing that you're going to wake up to the same face, but still you had that smile on you and you were just giving and helping each other. And, and it was not uh, it was not easy being in Cambodia. Like half of you have never been in that condition. Even while you were training, I could yeah. see that you were struggling. And then you go there and then, <laughs> like you, you guys are digging holes and building toilets. And like, wow. Like, wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. So the, the passion shows through results. I think I found my passion through that as well. I would take these opportunities to, 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 to thanks Jane who trusted me a lot to be a part of my core and just allowed me to do stuff and yeah. like achieve achieve these results. Like like wow. Jane if you're if you're tuning in or Johnson, you know, uh, I I also can testify the vision you both have as well. And I think the way Basin has mentioned that, uh, would you, yeah, just have to give a shout out to Jane as Basin has mentioned too. So kudos to both of you, what you guys are doing, uh, especially for Epic Homes. But yeah, thank you Basin, you know, uh, also. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, what, so, you know, with, with that said, Basin, um, right now, uh, now that you're back from, from what 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 do you think your future plan is? What what do you uh, feel like doing? What do you believe you're gonna do, or you have the passion? Uh, yeah. Uh, the corona happens. <laughs> corona yeah. just happened, and uh, thanks to the universe, I'm back. I think it's for a reason as well. Because see, I was working in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I'm back, <laughs> and. Uh, I, I I totally believe there's a reason for everything to happen and yeah for like I could have stayed like even if Corona I could have stayed and continued my work in the village mm -hmm. I was staying in, but yeah. circumstances pushed me to choose to be back. At that point I was uh, a bit hesitant, but when I reached home then I realized uh, it's it's time it's time for me to contribute to home, which is mm -hmm. Malaysia because of the situations and uh, me having access to these villages and uh, especially Ulu Selangor. Right now I'm based in Ulu Selangor and looking at how uh, Corona has changed lives uh, because of loss of jobs and uh, price, man. 
the food price is insane. Mm. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> so uh, right now, what I'm doing is I, I got myself a plot of land and uh, I'm working on uh, planting vegetables, okay. like four to five kind of vegetables. And I'm also working with a few other farms and I'm sourcing for a few other farms, uh, chicken farms, egg farm, whatever. Uh, as long as it's food and it's, it's clean and it's cheap. Uh, I'm going to get buy this from them, from these farms for cheap and also the, the vegetable I produce in my farm. Pack it in uh, packs for homes. I'm going to supply it to homes in Ulu Slango in my vicinity and sell it cheap, like dirt cheap, uh, you know, cheaper than what they they buy online or in grocery stores or in the wholesale market or whatnot. And um, through that, we can at, at least supplement their monthly expenses, and those expenses can go to somewhere else. Mm. So that's the plan: like provide cheap food. Yeah. Uh, cheap food for the the community of uh, Uluslang because I'm there. You know, you can count on us if uh, when RMC and, and this is being for real after CM Suho when, when it's lifted, you know, one of the weekends I'll definitely will come up and would definitely love to do a uh, come back and do something. You know, if you need help, it's it's I, I'm I, I kind of miss uh that cambodia experience <laughs> and just go out and help out again yeah, i don't yeah. mind doing that again so you know when mco everything is lifted you know mm. i'm gonna give you a bus and say Basen, i'm coming up i'm gonna yeah for sure man for sure. i know everyone everyone listening yes if you feel like just spending a day in a farm just hang out do some farm or uh, if you have crops just grab it cook you can eat i am uh, building a small hut or container home in the farm Mm. Uh, that particular farm would be it, it will be a training center for those who want to get into farming. Um, and also I'll, I'll, this is in the future in three to five years we'll start satellite farms all over so that communities can plant their own food. That's crazy. And if there's, there's one or two youths who's interested to get into farming we'll train them. Uh, mm. They can live with me in the farm two to three months get trained and we'll see if they are made up for it. Because uh, one of the biggest challenges is this. We think of something, we like it, uh, I'm going to do it because everyone is doing it or it's needed now. And then our friends get into it. After, uh, along the road, after a few months, they realize like they are not cut out for it, right? So that's a waste of time and resources and all that. Well, it's not easy uh, at all. You know, some, yeah, sometimes yeah, they yeah. give up halfway. And, and yeah. When you like to do something you want to do, there's always often there'll be obstacles ahead. And, and that there will be heaps lots for sure, for sure. So when uh, I I will open up my space for you to come in, well, you can stay with me three four months until the moment you you come to a breaking point, and then we'll sit and talk and we'll decide if you're still up to it. Then I'll be more than happy to set a farm for you, and we can work together. I'll buy the vegetables for you uh, from you and send it off to my customers. So in that way, I will be also able to help build this, this youth around me, That's the people amazing. around me. Who, yeah, yeah. That's amazing, man. I think, you know, as I'll say, you know, one of the days will come up, help you. And if you're doing any more thing to help the community around you, you can always, you know, for those of our micro friends and those who would like to learn or go and help about farming and learning, you know, just spend a day uh, wanting to do something that's, you know, outside of 
you want to try something new, yeah, you know, but as, as you said, Basin has mentioned, he starts up a farm. Uh, we'll let you know when, but yeah, Basin yep. definitely counters in. Now, once, once it's ready, right now I'm, it's in the cleaning phase. Is Arik still in online? He's helping a lot, man. Arik, Arik, <laughs> you're in here. Yeah. I know you're in here. Say hello, Arik. So, so Arik, Arik is helping a lot to get it. Um, we're still at the cleaning phase. Ideally, by next week or the end of next week, we should start planting. And in about, I don't know, everything goes well in two and a half weeks, I should have my container of small hot milk. That's crazy. And I will announce it, you guys come and visit. I do not want you guys to come now and do cleaning work and camp out uh, with me. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you know, I think, you know, it's, Going through that, uh, I think the next thing uh, following up on last week when I had a uh, talk with Arik. Okay, hi Arik, you, you just left Zoom and you joined on the Facebook Live uh, just to escape our questions. Anyways, joking, joking. Um, but just to follow up last week, you know, we, we talked about my call Malaysia and the voluntary project. So I guess more or less the first question how do you find out about this project was through also what you mentioned through epic homes they started yep. it joined and then that's how this came about i i guess yep, that yep, yep. uh how i got into my call yeah epic and jane <laughs> okay yeah yeah so, so i guess that sort of answered uh, our earlier question and what got you mm -hmm. excited I, I i guess what got you excited for this is also uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the passion to, to to try and develop other people as well. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure. Passion, yes. Passion, yes. And at that point, I was also testing out what I'm made of. Like I told you, like people give up. At that particular point, I was testing out what I'm made of. And I'm. Th that was the phase that I was learning a lot about myself. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of questions to be answered. And I think... Um, given the chance to hit uh, the micro experience, like the micro experience team and uh, also doing, given the chance to be part of the Kelantan rebuilding team, some sort of gave me an idea what I wanted to do there on. And uh, after pilot, the pilot was quite a short time. And when your batch came in, uh, it concreted my decision, like this is what I wanted to do. So your your batch was the was the time that I was in the phase of concreting my decision to get into this, to build youths, to build communities, to work with communities, to build them. And uh, by the end of your batch, I've decided like working with communities in a certain way has to change. Mm. Because uh, I think we'll talk about that later on when I come to yeah. my journey. Yeah. Uh, but but. See, Einstein said this, doing the same thing again and again, expecting different results. Uh, it's called insanity, it's stupidity, it's, it's crazy, mm. right? But uh, United Nations has been around since the 1960s. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, it's, no, they're doing a great job. They're doing a great yeah, job. Definitely. With a lot of restrictions and a lot of beliefs tied to it. Yeah. So as much as a lot, there's uh, a lot of uh, challenges which has been overcame or overcome mm. there's still a lot more that has been overseen it's it's 
not only United Nations, but, but the country itself or the NGO, the social work community itself have not seen that part of community development, which actually affects the communities really bad in their growth. Uh, coming to that realization, actually, I made me do the entire tree to test out my theory and prove to be totally, it, it's true. So having the platform to share my thoughts now, it's, it's great. We will talk about it later on, but Maybe. empowering people, uh, the context of it is, uh, I think it's, it's just different people have different thoughts and different beliefs, yes. But we need to align on this so that we can do better things for the communities. Wow. Thanks. Thanks for that. I think, you know, a lot of us, uh, you know, there's, there's so many things that, you know, you're doing and what you just mentioned there has just left, like, have me puzzling of what, what am I doing now and what I did back then. And, and truly, I, I'm very, very grateful the friendship that we need, Basen. I am truly on it. And, you know, Same here, my friend. what an impact you, you've left for us. Um, and so we come to our big uh, topic for today, uh, which is mm -hmm. you, which is called the trip that you went. Uh, it's called the Babel Project. Um, yes. Uh, maybe how did that name came up? Uh, how did Babel, you know, the name Babel came up for this project? Uh, Babel Project. Yeah. Um, hold on, just a sec, just a sec. All right, so Babel Project. Hello. Yep. All right, if you're perfect. So the name was uh, a friend of mine came up with the name Noam. He's in Israel now. Mm. Uh, so, anyways, he came up with the name. The initial plan was for him to join me in the in the entire project. So about when we were supposed to leave in. Um, February 2019, I mean, leave New York. Before that, I was working in New York for a year, helping this um, training company. They do uh, milestone development for children and character building for youths uh, in New York. Uh, they work in uh, schools and youth centers in New York. And my responsibility is for is to create new modules, train the instructors, then also do classes. And um, a lot of my classes were in areas like in the Bronx and, and Staten Island in, uh, in the projects. So being able to work in those communities was, was a blessing. And Noam was uh, also part of the team. So we spoke a lot about creating impact in communities. And uh, while being in New York, yeah. I was given a chance uh, when in uh, the, 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 when the UN General Assembly was happening end of 2018, I was given a chance to sit in into one of the SDG conference. SDGs are the Sustainable Development Goals where the United Nations, UNDP per se. UNDP is uh, running the entire project. So I got a chance to sit in and um, while listening to the people there, the panelists and uh, the sharings and all that, I realized that everything is based on data. That, that's given by the member countries, the, the member states. And uh, another, so the, my question was, where does the data come? And there was this economist from Bangladesh had the same question. He was like, uh, you guys are speaking about the data, but 
where does all this data comes from and is everyone accounted for? Uh, which is not, which is not like a lot of people from rural communities don't even know SDGs or UNDP exists. So if you're going to reach uh, the goals, the 17 goals within 2030, yeah. we need to do things different. If you want to be sustainable, to at least have a, a world to live in, to live a peaceful, equal life, we, we need to start doing things different. And of course, um, United Nations can't do much. And uh, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go out on this trip, on this journey. It was, it was supposed to be a one-off project in Staten Island. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to do that, to do... Uh, make a video of it and show it to the world, to the United Nations especially. Like there are people who do not know you exist. Yeah. In New York, where you have your biggest office, and uh, um, <laughs> no, like half the world do not know SDGs. Yes, it's in the policy level, but policy level is policy level. If I do not know why I need to throw my rubbish in the bin, I will throw it anywhere. Mm. Until I'm told and I realize this is exactly why the, the rubbish has to be separated and be in separate bins. Now I know the effect on me and I'll start doing it different. So that's where we are lacking, I guess, I think. So, you know what, let's do this. And I spoke to my friend Noam and said, yeah, bro, I'm, I'm also very interested. Let's do it. So we did a small project in Staten Island with uh, another friend called Mimi from New York as well. She lives in Staten Island. We did a small mini project. Right. Um, no, it was it was great. It was great. Uh, we were because waste management is is a huge challenge. Like rubbish is everywhere. Like people don't separate their bins uh, in their houses before they throw. Yes, they separate. But once it's out or it's on the street, it's just everywhere. People just throw rubbish everywhere. So to create that awareness, we were just speaking to the kids on the streets and all that, and allow them to initiate their own project. Right, so questions were asked to them like, how is it now and how would it look like different? How will it impact your life and what would change in your life? While answering those questions, they came to a realization, yeah, man, I'm doing it wrong. Um, they wanted to change how things are done and they started going out and talking to people. So while doing that, I said, you know, we need to find the name for the project. And uh, so no one came up with this project, uh, this name called Babel. Uh, so he told me this tale until he told me the tale I did not know that existed. So this is how it sounds like. So um, it was a group of people like way, 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 way back. I think this story is uh, told in the Bible, in, uh, in a lot of civilizations, right? So there's a group of people, they were trying to build this tower. Uh, the Tower of Babel. Yes, right. And because of difference of uh, language and beliefs, this is my interpretation of it, yeah? yeah. Uh, lang languages and beliefs. People separated, they started fighting each other and the tower fell. So the, mm. the tower didn't happen. So quoting Noam's father, yeah. uh, he said also, you guys are rewriting the, the, the tale. So the project is to bring humanity together mm. towards a common goal to speak the same language, the language of sustainability. Wow. Oh, wow. Hence, the Bible project. <laughs> amazing, man. But right? I think what, what's, what's even amazing was 
was this okay so you everybody if you're tuning in this is the topic journey through central america and when he mentioned journey through central america he said honduras but what you're going to see next is really incredible because he not only went through this honduras but the way he got to honduras and i heard it i'm just wow from new york to mexico to guatemala honduras nick uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, Basin of how I pronounce this: Nicaragua, mm-hmm, Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and Panama. That's amazing. Like my first question, you know, and I guess you know when we talk over phone, I I didn't have this, but something got me thinking right now was was this all part of the Babel project that you were going uh, would be have your charted this out these countries that you were planning to go was this all planned out like Mexico? Yep. So. Bevel project is this. So me and Noah, we are planning to travel on land and sea. So we'll hitchhike, take buses, uh, I know, trains, walk, camp, whatever we need to do yeah. from New York back to Malaysia. Holy right. So that was the initial plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. We'll be going through about 63 countries. <laughs> and yeah, we, we spoke to Malaysia Book of Record. Right? It was supposed to be a... Record, record the time while working with these communities. Reason why I wanted to do that mm. is because uh, when we are traveling on land like that, hitchhiking and whatnot, we go through communities and villages which is out of the way, where people do not go to communities which are underexposed. And these are the communities we wanted to work with. So. What we do, what we did is we reached out to existing local NGOs, not the big gringo ones, the local ones. Yeah. Well, we reached out to them and asked them what they do, how they do it, and about our project and our workshops, and asked them if they want to collaborate. If, uh, once we have uh, one or two NGOs who want to collaborate, we go into the area, we do visiting these communities and find that one community which is super underexposed and go live with them, experience their life, and uh, see how we can create impact in the community. Uh, we used a lot of ABCD, which is available online if you want to check out. It's called uh, asset-based community development. So we do not give them resources, or we do not rely on external resources. We identify internal resources, the community and the village and the villagers, who are the assets of the community, and we look at resources and skill sets and try to use what we have to build the community as like as sustainable as possible, it's... right? Yeah. So yeah. that was the initial plan. Uh-huh. But by the time um, I reached Panama, and then I had some challenges, I had to return to Honduras. And when I was in Honduras, hmm. tra, Corona happened. <laughs> Damn. I mean. Yeah. I think when you said that you were trying to go for record-breaking 69, 63 countries, and the first thing in my mouth, I was just saying, wow. But you know, when you come, when when you surf, especially with those tuning in, our micro friends who are tuning in, when you surf with Vasan and when you go through the volunteering phase and you have the heart to help other people, I, when you when Vasan, you mentioned that, that you're going to 63 countries by land, the first thing I thought, and that's why I was like, oh, I was so excited because somehow we connected because somehow I just thought, I think Basin wanted to go to those 63. Why he does it by land is because we, he wants to go through by land so that he can see the rural communities, each of these countries, every country has their own rural uh, communities that are untouched or, sorry, not say untouched, uh, 
have not been tapped, you know, people have not seen the community and how we can help. And I think that's the beauty of it, you know, I, 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 it's after you, you do a, a volunteering mission, like for me, when I did it, and when you mentioned that, I was just like, oh, that's just crazy, man, what you just wanted to do, you know, and yeah, uh, I was just, wow, wow. Um, anyways, I got quite excited there, but let, let's just talk about your journey from New York to Mexico. So for all our guests, this whole trip from New York all the way to Panama was all by land, right? Yeah, it was bus. I had one hitchhike. Yeah. Um, and the, the bus, <laughs> the bus was interesting. But anyways, uh, one of the companies I worked very closely in my initial uh, forming stages was yeah. Nomad Adventures. Yeah. So and, uh, the owner of Nomad Adventures, Yuan Li, she, she lives in uh, New Orleans. So okay. from New York, I traveled up to DC to, to meet a family friend. I spent some time, I was talking about the project with him. And yeah. then from there, I went to New Orleans, uh, stayed with Yuan Li, we were sharing and she was uh, helping, me, helping me with my workshop, my modules. And she was also the only sponsor I had for the entire project. Really? Uh, so I was doing this with a thousand ringgit a month. Wow. And right. So from, yeah. Sorry. Go, uh, sorry. Go on. Sorry. Before, before I move on. So, so from New Orleans, uh, I took a bus to Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh, that was scary. I reached there mid, midnight and man, oh man. Wow. That was, that was really scary. I had, I was hungry, I was not eaten anything the entire day, so I wanted to go out. Yeah. I didn't have internet in my phone, yeah. and I saw a McDonald's outside. So, McDonald's in US, it's 24 hours, yeah? yeah. So when I, that McDonald's was closed, and imagine watching a 90s uh, black community gangster movie, that's oh. how it felt like outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, okay. no, I, well, no, I, I freaked out maybe because I've not, like, mm. I was alone and I was tired and I didn't want to be there. So I just went back into the bus station and just waited for my next bus. Then from there, I went to Austin, Austin, then uh, a bus into Mexico. That entire trip took me about a week, a week and a half, about a week, but seven to eight days, about that. Just I remember, right? Just to put it for the guy's, you know, uh, perspective, this is where he started off, New York. Of course, I didn't highlight the New Orleans, but from yep. New York to Mexico, I just want to show you guys, that was the journey that Varsan had taken. Had, by land, okay, guys? By land. Now, he mentioned he you stopped at Washington. I think it's D.C. I didn't highlight that. But from Washington, uh, for those of you who are tuning in, you can see Washington just below New York. And at the bottom is New Orleans, right? If, that, if uh, yeah. you went to New Orleans. New Orleans is right below. Below, near Louisiana. Yeah, yep. from the Houston. Yeah. Houston up, to Austin. Yeah. You went to Atlanta, right? Before, after New that Orleans. Was, no, no, no. From, got that wrong. So Washington. from DC to Atlanta, Atlanta to New Orleans, New Orleans, Houston, Austin, from Austin to Monterey. That's crazy, Monterey. And guys, this is, if you do it on a day, 
The total travel time by land is 42 hours. It's crazy, Basim. <laughs> One week, man. But and yep, it's all yep. by land. It's not. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone told me not to cross into Mexico on land, but trust me, friends. Uh, yeah. It's it's safe. Just don't go into places you are not supposed to. Other than that, like nah, Mexico is fine. It's not it's not as dangerous. You don't you don't walk on the streets and get shot. Don't worry. <laughs> oh man. But you know, speaking of that, um, are they as scary as you know? You know, the news has been going on, uh, like the, the wall, the borders. When you cross the border, are they mm -hmm. as strict as what the media says, like the Mexican and Americans? And, All right. and for foreigners, let's say you are from from America. Uh, let's say you are traveling from America and you're going into Mexico. How is the treatment there? Like, are they as what the media portrays? No, 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 no. They're really nice people. I know Mexicanos, like super beautiful people. They are very, very helpful. Even though I don't speak Spanish and they don't speak much English. Actually, they don't speak English and I don't speak Spanish, like nada, nada. Pero, mm. uh, we were able to communicate and they were very, very helpful. Even with like Google Translate. I was buying a SIM card, he couldn't communicate. He actually downloaded Google Translate so that he can communicate with <laughs> me. So oh, they're, 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 they're nice people. They're really nice people. I, I think they don't like the gringos. I don't know. Gringos are matzales. Right. I, I don't know. But I had a, I had a very good safe time. Mm. Like, it, was, nah, it, was, it was fine. It was, they were great. Right. Like even, even the rural people, they were great people. Oh. Was, that's, yeah. that's good to hear, man. And... Uh, yeah. Just to now that we all just saw the map of where he traveled. So in Mexico, I think you went to a couple of places. I might not have highlighted them, but just to highlight a few, one was uh, Actupan. Uh, yeah, that was my first place. That was north, somewhere northeast of Mexico. We're getting my. Yeah, it's in my, Hidalgo. Hidalgo. So, yeah. yeah. Right. So when you come down from US, uh, if I have to get off in um, Monterrey. Yep. From Monterrey, I have to somehow find a bus to uh, Octopan. Okay. So, so that, was, that was your first yeah. stop, right? And, yeah, uh, that was my first stop. So right. that host, hmm. um, that host, she, she works with the capacity building organization. They do trainings for youths, uh, okay. teaching them computer, or video making, cooking, English whatever not right so they bring in foreigners or people who have those skills to come in and teach so when right. i spoke to the host about sustainability and what we can achieve in the town uh they invited me in so i went there and uh, the biggest challenge was the youths there because there's no much job they want they all wanted to leave and go to bigger cities yeah. uh, the nearest bigger city in octopan is called a place called pachuca and um, or they sneak in into the U.S. So this bunch of youths, they wanted to start ecotourism in the area because they have a lot of mountains around. Right. Uh, they have cactuses and it's beautiful. The mountains are beautiful, but that industry has not been tapped. Uh, they, they have a beautiful, beautiful uh, Aztec rune, like not far away from their area. Okay. Uh, which, which, could, which they could ride on and bring their place up and they also have this uh, delicacy called barbacoa 
bakwa is basically uh, goat, goat meat cooked underground and fire on top. So basically, they 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 clean the goat, marinate it with their spices, and cover it with uh, leaves. Yeah. Dig a huge hole, put the meat inside, cover it with soil, and then start fire on top. They'll just one, leave it over. I got one question just to stop you there, Basit. Uh, uh -huh. uh -huh. Regarding the food, you just said, would uh -huh. you be able to find it in Mexican restaurants? No, right? It's, it's their local dish. Is that correct? I mean, if let's say I happen to be, you know, I, I go into a Mexican restaurant, then I say, hey, I remember Basin said that dish. Would I be able to find Or is it just a local delicacy for Octopan? Oh, barbacoa is uh, famous in Octopan. Here, I've never seen barbacoa anywhere else but the, but in Mexico. Okay, so you can't uh, find like, it in Mexican restaurants here, like, probably not. In here, no. Uh, I don't think so. We <laughs> need to figure it out how we can make it. <laughs> okay, that's the most important question in the food because when you say that, yeah. it's like Malaysians, you know, we love our food. So we heard you just say that. I think I got to ask on behalf of them whether is that that dish. <laughs> so Mex all right. So I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know if I can say this. For uh, todo, mi amigo y amiga, el Centro Americano, lo siento. But Mexican food was uh, better than the Central any other Central American food. I mean, we got to be honest. But, but Mexico is not Central, and Mexico is still North America. So Canada, US, and Mexico is not. From Guatemala down all the way up to Panama is central, and then Colombia all the way down to Argentina is. We south. do have a map. We do have a map of that. Uh, yeah. show that. But yeah. I think these are the three places: Octopan, Oaxaca, and Zimo. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. So I was in Octopan. From Octopan, uh, I went to Oaxaca. There was another host. They were building a hostel in Oaxaca. Yeah. So they were building a hostel and they wanted it to be as sustainable as possible. So I was staying with them and uh, I was helping around to like go around, pick up rubbish and pick up wood that people throw and start building the hostel with the used stuff. And we were talking about uh, SDGs and sustainable development to the guests. And I did meet a couple from uh, ah, Slovenia, I don't Taken, who got so interested we are still in touch uh, after all this i might go to slovenia and work with them and run some workshops there okay so yeah so Ohaka was that after that we uh it was simol simol uh, in chiapas uh, this is this place is beautiful i've met uncle is the host so uncle and piquin piquin is malaysian actually okay. uh she's living there and uh so I went there, stayed with them, and uh, Uncle, Uncle's family owns uh, this huge plot of land with three waterfalls. So they do ecotourism, and um, they create awareness on uh, nature preservation, and they also, like, voluntarily, Uncle fixed cameras in the jungle, in the forest there, to prevent poachers and illegal loggers to go in. So they, they do it in their personal cap, uh, capacity to get all that done. So helping around with them, and I would did, also did a workshop for his, uh, for his crew to talk about sustainability and team development, to do more work around the area in schools and uh, international schools and with their guests and the villagers, especially on nature preservation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
I think we'll just run through the pictures just to give them an idea of what was it. So I think this, uh, this is an octop uh, octopan, and this is yeah. a of yourself. So I think we're giving this. This is a group of youths uh, who wanted to do real great stuff in the village. It's not the host. This is another school nearby. The yeah. guy on the right in the group picture, um, yeah. he's the, who he, was, he's, he teaches them English. So he speaks English. He was uh, translating for me. And these are his students. So he brought them together to talk about SDGs and initiate projects in, within their area. So okay. This is that group. Yeah. Man, I miss them. And uh, one of the the teacher in red, she's a, she she's learning English from the other school, and she wanted me to come and talk to her children. Yeah. About sustainability and how they can uh, do better waste management in school and reduce waste. And after that, they actually did. Uh, the school did bins, separate bins for organic and paper and plastic. And, and apparently, like, they're still following, following through. And the children now are talking to their parents to separate their waste oh. in their homes. So, like, it's, it's, it's cute. The kids are really cute. Yeah, yeah. How's the community there? Uh, as in, you know, you, you go into a new culture, just like we went to Cambodia, it's new culture mm -hmm. and everything, but after a while you get adapt to them. Um, when you go to Mexico, how is it like, the weather, is it almost as hot, is it, does it get cold, is it hot? Um, uh, yeah. When I was in Octopan, it was hot, it was the season. Uh, apparently, end of the year, it gets really cool. And uh, when I was down in uh, Chiapas, man, it was cold. <laughs> Chiapas was cold. It was about, I think, 16, 17 degrees Celsius. Because wow. Mexico is surrounded by mountain. Like, it's mountain. Even in Mexico City in the night, it will be about 23 degrees, 22 degrees in, mm. in summer. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. crazy. Yeah. And, and I think the next one going on is Seymour. And I think this was something, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 So the guy in the far right, is yep. Anken, uh, the, the one in the blue t-shirt. Right. Right. Below, like right beside, yeah, that guy. So that's Anken. Yeah. And uh, everyone else is the crew. Just, uh, talking to like talking to them about how to facilitate change and team and preservation. And Uncle's uncle has started a farm right. um, doing similar stuff to provide like Organic cheap, um, organic cheap food for the villagers around there. It was just started. They're doing great stuff there. Mm. And the lady in blue on yep. the right picture—that's Pequin. Okay. She is Malaysian. Oh, we actually wow. cook roti canai and nasi ayam. Oh dang! <laughs> oh, must be. I think it was. I think it was Diwali, so we also did some banana leaf fries and brought in their family and friends. So the Mexicans got to try Malaysian food. As you said, we cannot live without our food. So yeah, are, we couldn't find all the spices. So mm -hmm. we like spent two days just walking around finding whatever spice we could to like somehow get the taste. <laughs> that was I mean, cute. I, I can understand how you feel, right? I mean, Basil, I think when we were in Cambodia, we couldn't get 
as close to Malaysian food, but hey, we our we managed to cook something. Oh, we, we pulled a lot of things off. We actually, you guys did raya celebration with dodol and lemang and satay and man, you guys are legends. <laughs> it was crazy. Kerabu also, man. I I, I can't believe the yeah. guys did the kerabu. Nasi kerabu. <laughs> in <laughs> Cambodia. <laughs> yeah, in Cambodia. So like, and that feeling when you eat something from your home, uh, it just like, oh, so satisfying. And I can feel like when you mentioned that when the Malaysians, you said, you know, they cook Malaysia, I can literally like picture you there and picture mm-hmm. myself in your position and I'd be like, oh, Malaysian food, man. Miss home, miss home. I think there's a, a few pictures of that in my Facebook. Yeah. Like you guys feel like stalking. <laughs> I, I will I will just get you know point them to the Babel project the pictures because uh uh mm-hmm. for those who who are tuning in as well, we don't uh, I've not we've not put up much photos because there's a lot like literally Basin has a lot of photos uh in it and it's on the Babel project which I'll share with y'all uh, uh later on. But I think right now is you know we want to just run through what you you know what Basin has gone through a couple of these so some of these pictures as I say it, it probably just reignites the memory uh for us to go through down memory lane with Basin as well. Um yeah. so, actually hmm. uh this today last year this time last year I was in Oaka. Wow one year yeah. exactly yeah yep Oaka. It's crazy, man. That's how time flies. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, you know, from Mexico, from where you were, uh, you went to Guatemala. And from Guatemala... Yeah. I uh, crossed through Guatemala because uh, I couldn't uh, find... Com- it was about end of the year and everyone was busy. Yeah. Uh, like... I literally couldn't find a community which is free to work with. And um, I've already confirmed a workshop with an organization in uh, Honduras, at the border of Guatemala and Honduras. So I just uh, went straight up to Honduras. Yep. Yeah, so Honduras. You went to Nicaragua? Yeah. Honduras is uh, the country I spent most of my time in yeah. reason being is in the entire Central America region, mm. the country which is affected the worst uh, economically and socially is Honduras. Yeah. Uh, so working there made more sense to me with the communities there. And the NGO uh, Solidarity Project there, um, those guys, man, they are legends, they really work with communities far in the mountains. So. Working with them gave me the chance to go into these communities and initiate projects with them. So yeah. Honduras is uh, very close to me. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Just yeah, yeah. can't imagine, man. Uh, and then I think from there, you went to Nicaragua. From there, yeah. uh, drove past uh, or went past Costa Rica. and then I did go to Costa Rica. Okay. I was there for about two weeks. Uh, was in this small beach uh, by the beach, by facing the Caribbean. I was uh, with this family, uh, Argentinian and uh, 
the wife was from Chile, if I'm not mistaken, with the two children. They took over a small hostel and uh, a beach joint, and they were building up uh, sustainable uh, eco tourism there as well. And the challenge there was no one picks the rubbish. Mm. Equal, equal uh, Honduras, like outside, the rubbish is just everywhere. So, so from then onwards, I realized in that part of the world, working with the assets available in the community, I think we started working with the waste management first. And then slowly we moved into building crops and uh, empowering them to create new things with the uh, resources they have inside. Yeah. So, yeah, so Costa Rica was there. Yeah. And after Costa Rica, I was in Panama. Yes. Panama. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, now that we go into Honduras, I think, you know, after uh, bypassing Guatemala from Mexico, you went into Honduras. And I think the two places, I think to break it down, because uh, for those tuning in, when I asked Vasan which part of Honduras he went, it actually is really crazy when I look up into all this, when I did the research, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy where you went in. Like, it's like Malaysia with so many states, but look at the breakdown of this, the district. So to just make it easier for everyone, there was two places that you went. One was, am I correct to pronounce the, that word called uh, Okotepec? Is it correct? Right. Okotepeke was the first place I was in. That's the first organization, yep. And, and then, uh, there, I was working with the schools and uh, we were doing SDG workshops and sustainable development workshops within the schools. Yeah. I did a workshop for the police force of Okotepeke and ah, uh, there was a university awesome. there. Yeah, yeah, there was a university there I did a workshop for. Yeah. Uh, and also, <clears throat> there was another community which was doing it, <clears throat> which uh, which was part of it. So, and the governor, I met the governor and spoke to him about the entire project. So the police force, the university, with the support of the governor and the community, they started building rubbish bins and they placed it all over town. And the, uh, when I left, the plan was to arrange the, the city to go pick up everything. So yeah. this old guy is from the community. That's the governor of Okotepeke with my translator in the middle. Yeah, he's looking at the camera as we can see. Yeah. Yeah. Well taken, yeah. 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 These guys are keen. They're very keen to do stuff. They just need the guidance and the support. And mm. man, it was, it was really great. The police force especially. The police force was all in to support the university students mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Dude, you was pretty like like look at you and then look at the guys in front with all the guns. Oh, and, they were carrying guns. I was freaking out. I told the 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 boss there like put like put chairs and let them sit and <laughs> like no nah, no nah, it's alright it's fine. Uh, yeah, I want to train them to do that. And I was standing in front of a bunch of cops with like tactical rifles. I know. <laughs> yeah, but they, machine guns, man. I'm, I'll be like. If I say one wrong word, they will just put out the gun. Wrong power. No, I'm joking. You know, it's just... <laughs> but... was... And after this session, um, the leadership team of the force there, I had another session with them to realign everything and how they can move forward. Mm. Yeah, okay. it was uh, this the community, this the university students. Yeah. 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 So just 
breathe through. So that's crazy, and uh, that's that's amazing. And then I think the next one that you 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 went on was from Octopeke. Is is Okotepeke? Okotepeke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nah, nah, no worries, no worries. After that, you went to this place. Uh, so it's not shown there. So I had to just put this in Agua Catal. Yeah, so Agua Catal was one of the communities. Uh, I was based in El Tule, El Tule. So this is Agua Catal, the picture. Yeah. Yes. So from El Tule, I worked with this community in Agua Catal. They were digging holes to first bury their organics. And okay. we were building bins to put over all over the village and the entire village came down and we just cleaned up the entire village. And uh, right before I left, recently when I was stuck, uh, the organization there, because it was Corona and everyone lost their jobs, uh, so they gave out seeds and ran uh, trainings to do organic farming, like quick ones like mm. fast, like leafy vegetables to provide food for the communities. And these people, are uh, the active ones who are going around the villages around there to train them to do all that. That's that's crazy, yeah. man. But I mean, I think there's a story to, to share. I think that there's one guy on the right, I saw on the post. Uh, yeah, so you should have put his picture, man, Elton. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. forgot. But anyways, this guy, guys, uh, if you're tuning in on the right, I'm... Uh, Pointing my mouse, I'm circling this guy. Uh, I think this is something that Vasan was sharing, and I think it's very really incredible. I mean, we all know, as you can see the picture, he's one armed, but look at the well, I saw some pictures that he was smiling, you know, despite his limitation. The guy still, you know, um, yeah, Vasan, like so. Elton's story is this when he was about 10 to 11 years old. Everything is manual there. All machineries are manual. Like your grinding coffee is a manual machine and all that. And yeah. his mom was grinding uh, uh, sugar cane husk, something like that, in a machine. Right? While that was happening, he was putting the canes inside the machine and his hand just went in. That's how he lost. Yeah, that's how he lost his hand. But... Um, being in that part of the world where medical is not accessible and uh, there's, 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 nah, there's no resources. So anyways, uh, he lost his hand at that age and he has been living like that since. But he is one of the strongest guys I've ever met. He has a bike. You can find that in my, um, in my Facebook. He rides his bike everywhere. Uh, he's married with two kids. He, he really takes care of them. Uh, he has a plot of land he works in. He has about I know five acres of corn farm that he works on by himself. Uh, this this guy is a legend. Like he he does a lot of good things for the community and for his family, yeah. and he doesn't give up. Like I asked him, like how does you, you don't have a an harm? Like does that stop you? And his mm -hmm. answer was this: being incapacitated is not physical; it's in the mind. Mm. That like that that blew me away like like yo, <laughs> right? Uh, like, what excuses can we give for not doing stuff? Yeah, like wow, wow, <laughs> right? wow. I mean, for those who are hearing this, right? Whatever situation we are going through right now, this pandemic, don't let that be an excuse for us to stop doing what, uh. 
we are doing or what you're doing. Because, you know, Vasan, what you just shared there and what he just, of what he just shared to you, it's something to be inspired, to empower. And, and it, it's just incredible, you know, what, what you just shared of what he said. And I think we can use that uh, mentality right now. Yes, we're going through a pandemic, but does, sure. is that going to stop you? Look at uh, Ethan, right? Uh, Elton, sorry. Elton, yeah. Elton. He, mm-hmm. despite his limitation, he's not giving up. And I'm pretty sure right now, back there in Mexico, even though the pandemic is hitting them, he's not going to give up because he finds motivation in doing things that he knows he can make a difference. And I, I truly believe that. Wow, Vasan, that's crazy. Yeah, we did work a lot together. He was my translator. So he has sneaked into US and Canada twice, three times. Twice he went in, he was working there, and then uh, he got caught, he came back illegally. And uh, once, uh, while crossing the border, uh, just couldn't find his way. He was without food and water for three days, just crawling around. And the border patrol saw him and sent him back, um, mm. which is a common thing for Hondurans. Mm. Hondurans, uh, because politically, you guys can just Google Honduras and see what comes up first, right? Mm. So politically and economically, they're really bad. Two weeks back, 3,000 people walked from Honduras to U.S. because they couldn't live in Honduras anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, politically, it's really bad. And to be living in there and for these communities to still strive, I have, I have so much respect for them. So much respect for them. You know, one thing we can learn from that, Vasan, is no matter what, you know, no matter what we're going through right now, our country, we are so blessed, you know. I mean, look at, if we all start complaining of, our country, you know, yes, things may not be right, but look at Honduras, it's so bad, like you just mentioned, it's probably worse than here, right, Russell? Oh, man, Honduras is a different monster. Like, when I came back, the first thing I said to my friend is, any Malaysian is going to complain that something is wrong here, come and sit with me, I'll tell you my story. Huh. Right. Uh, we are pampered. That's the reality of it. We are too pampered that when we, and we are spoiled. When we don't get what we want, we, we throw tantrums. That's, that's nations. Mm. Like, like, the government is not doing this. The government is not doing that. The government's not. But the question is this. What are we, what are we doing to change that? Yeah. Uh, now, don't, let's not talk about politics or changing the government or whatnot. Yeah. Like, we can change how we live our life and we can change in self-sustaining and we can change in building our community together to self-sustain and make things better for us rather than sitting and complaining and doing nothing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, that, that is, uh, I, I'm not imposing, that's solely my belief based on my experience. Yeah. Uh, if uh, you choose your life, I choose my life, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I agree with you, what, what you just mentioned, Vasan, because, you know, but, you know, I think the, the common theme, what, what we're trying to say is that, you know, if we think our country is bad enough in terms of politics, I think just Google, as Barson said, look, just Google Honduras. Um, the other thing, another country I would also ask you all to really, if you can, uh, is Cambodia. Now, Cambodia, mm-hmm. they went through heck. If you look at the history, killing fields, my goodness, I still remember going there and I think most of us cried because of what happened to their own people, the government. So if 
you know, I think this is a good time for us to just say pause uh, before we say anything bad of the government. Yes, at times we do, but remember, just be grateful that we do have this kind of things happening, yet we are still living and able to be where we are. But the Honduras, the Cambodians and other countries, they are not so fortunate as us, I would say. Fortunate is the word, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this was, yeah, moving on. I think, you know, that was something uh, talk we wanted to, but yeah, moving on. Sorry, Vasil. Uh, no, no. This, so this picture here is still Aguacatal. This is the community leaders. Uh, you can see their sizes and like, these are young kids who really want to change in their communities. Wow. And they were full on in it. Oh, they were full, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think Agua Catal, you move on to the capital of, is that the capital? Yeah, should be the capital. Yeah, Tegucigalpa is the capital. Uh, please see pictures. Yeah. Uh, some really nice places. And this is the university. I got a chance to meet with the uh, masters and PhD students. Yeah. And uh, I was sharing about SDGs and uh, sustainable development and in their capacity, what they're able to do and initiate projects. So they yeah. came up with this idea to bring back um, retired lecturers. They're going to bring back retired lecturers with skill sets, provide them with funding from the university or crowd funds or whatever, whatever they can uh, bring up with and send these uh, lecturers into communities, this, like communities like Aguacatal or Coahuajo or uh, El Tule, um, Matari Platano, and all those communities like rural deep up the mountains, and uh, teach them skill sets. Skill sets like uh, sustainable farming or like how to have more yield in a shorter time, uh, building building water, water wells or rainwater catchments, like skill sets they teach their students and bring their students who wants to volunteer as well and go in and initiate projects. Uh, they, were, they were working on it. I think they've launched it. I've last spoke to them before I left Honduras and they were already working on it. And then Corona hit and everything got shut down. Oh. But that would be launched. Uh, I think now they're open. It should be launched by end of this year. Oh. Uh, well, hope, yeah. praying for the best, hope they, they will do, man, yeah, just the yeah, impact yeah. that you left on them was uh, tremendous, you know, yeah, I, I guess yeah. this is good. Um, okay, speaking of, you know, you went to l 2 so maybe I'm not sure whether this was the correct l 2 uh, because there's an l 2 below here, but it might not be the Right one. I'm no, sure. no, no, that's not the Tule. That's not the Tule. Yeah. Okay, so, so the Tule I was in is the river I'm crossing. Yeah. I'm going into El Tule now. The other side is El Tule. So when the river water rises, yeah. no one can go in the village. Oh, man. <laughs> and the picture that's on the left is... Sorry? The picture on the left is... The is picture it? on the left is Tegucigalpa. That's Tegucigalpa. Oh, okay. Okay, it's pretty nice on the upper hill. It looks really... Yeah. Um, I'll say yeah. it's almost... Like, like Philippines, that kind, you know, when you go up to the upper kind uh, of... Uh, it looks more like the barrio in Brazil. Ah. Uh, the, the entire place is, uh, is mountainous. Okay. So they don't cut down the mountain, they build build houses on the mountains hence you when you see it's like that mm. yep 
and uh, walking up the house up there, man. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like it's like going up Batu Caves five times. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. I I see what you just did was quite crazy, and you know the pictures you 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 posted. I'm just like, oh my goodness. And then when I started doing this, guys, you know, like okay, let me just put this to put it in the context. While I was putting this into context for all of you tonight, I'm just like. Oh my goodness, Basel, where did you go, man? Um, just to show you where else he went as well is from Agua Catal. He went to Tego, Sigapa. Um, and then there's a couple of places, small, I would say small district or small precincts, right? Um, is that the right small. word? Imagine uh Yeah. Oop, we may have just lost a bit of contact with Vasen. Uh, uh, before he gets back in. So, oh. Sorry, Vasen, we lost you a bit there. All right, you lost me. <laughs> yeah, the connection is quite interesting for a bit. Yep. <laughs> so I was saying, uh, these villages, imagine the Asli villages in uh, Taman Negara. Okay. It's, it's deep. Inside the jungle, up the mountains, like you but, need proper. But Koa Awaho, man, uh, Koa Awaho hmm. is, um, I would say it's a model community because uh, these guys really work together as communities. They do not wait uh, for external help or government help. That that re the Koa Awaho structure, the, the, the village did it themselves. And um, they maintain their school themselves. The, there's a small park they build out of whatever resources they could pick. This this guys are legends. So this is like a model community that I speak about whenever I talk to communities, which say, "Oh, I cannot do anything because I don't get resources." <laughs> right. So I talk about these people because they made it work. I just had to go in and talk about sustainable development, just align them to whatever they are doing, and now they're doing wonders. Wow, that's mm. that's amazing, man. It's crazy. I mean, I look at all these pictures, I'm just going like, wow, all these village, they, they, they are like, they're pretty interesting, you know? They are like, like, is this really Mexico? This really, I mean, is this really Honduras? Not Mexico. It's like wow. This, this, that's that's really interesting. You know, the whole developments and everything that's going through. And uh, yeah, I mean, phew, I just had to pull my hats off to you, especially when you mentioned about crossing that thing, uh, the river to go into Tule, and, mm -hmm, and you're mm -hmm. unable to come out because of the high tide. That's Wow, oh, that's really living nature, man. <laughs> that's next level. Yeah. So from there we went to Nicaragua. Yeah. And uh, I was in Granada. You went to both, right? Managua. So I, I transited in Managua. Okay. Uh, I couldn't do much in Managua, so I moved on to Granada. Granada is where. Uh, this is Managua. Okay, this is Managua and yep. uh, so this is Diriamba. Oh, yes. uh, so after Granada, I was in Granada first. Uh, 
there's a community, there's a group there who works with single mothers in the area. Okay. So what they do is uh, they teach them uh, skill sets like weaving or whatnot. Yeah. And uh, coach them to start businesses. And they realize like these women could not go out and sell their stuff because they have children to care for, right? So mm. they created a space for them to leave the children and uh, train the lady there to look after the children, educate them and whatnot, so that these mothers can go out and run businesses uh, to provide for the family. So I was there just uh, aligning them to the SDGs and see how they can uh, spread out the word, like teach SDGs to the people they work with. Uh, that was great. I had a great time with them in Granada. And from there, I went to the Riamba, where yeah. this guy on the left with the beard. Yeah. Uh, Nicaragua is a socialist country. And um, they are very anti-American and whatnot. So the government controls a lot. There's not much external literature that comes in. So this group of people, what they do, they run community libraries. Okay. So the guy on the left, he has his own library. Yeah. Where he brings in uh, literature from outside <laughs> to allow people to read and expose themselves to what's happening all over the world. Okay. And uh, so these three, uh, the one on my side, she's leading the community library. They set up small libraries in schools and they have uh, mobile libraries, vans, and uh, so they drive into communities. Yeah and exposed uh, children and youths to read. So they're pushing pushing education into these communities. So how do you uh, communicate with them? Uh, this yeah. this guy was an accident. So I told you I only survived with 1,000 ringgit a month, yeah? Yeah. So yeah. And my biggest expenses is always the accommodation and food. So what I do is uh, I look for, I do couch surfing. I look for NGOs, obviously, to work with the communities and also work away so when I'm transiting so that I don't spend on accommodation and I don't have to camp out on the road somewhere. Right when, when I was couch surfing in Diriamba, it was when I met this guy. And then, boom, there was a chance for me to work in these communities and this, this group of people and just share sustainable development and how it can be pushed forward. And so he, 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 he speaks English as well. Also. He speaks really well English. He, he speaks oh, super good wow. English. Wow. Yeah. And then he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. That's amazing, man. Because, yeah. you know, you go to all these different countries, Honduras. Um, and I think just for the general audience, when you went to all these three Honduras, uh, Nicaragua, and, and all these other places, Costa Rica, Panama, what is the general language they use? Do they have their own language or is it like Spanish and Mexican? It's Spanish from Mexico all the way down. Yeah. Everyone speaks Spanish, only Spanish. Okay. Except for Belize because Belize was colonized. Belize is right beside Guatemala. It was colonized by English, so they speak English. Okay. And uh, in Brazil, they speak Portuguese. So, Other than that, everyone else speaks Spanish. So I think when you make made your way, I mean, all these countries was uh, the US, was there difficulty finding someone to speak English? I mean, generally, <laughs> yeah, um, percent of the population I've met did not speak English. Yeah. So, 
uh, Google Translate. Right. Or um, find someone who can translate or just try and speak some Spanish to maneuver through. Okay. Now, now I'm, yeah, now I'm, I think I'm all right. I'm, I'm able to converse. I, being in that part of the world for this long, I kind of had okay. to learn to sustain. Yeah. So, so if say for somebody, I mean, let's say one of us decide, oh, let's plan to go to one of these, coincidentally decide to go to these places that you visit for a holiday. Is that easy to find translator around if you go for holiday, for example? This holiday spots, uh, the tourist spots, you, you find the uh, English speakers. And there's a lot of gringos or matzalis who, who are settled down in this part of the world. Okay. So you can find English speakers. But if you go into these rural villages, uh, nah, learn yeah. Spanish. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Just, you know, just for our audience, they must be worried, you know, hey, if I go to this country, holidays, tourist part. But just to rest, rest assure you guys what you mentioned, uh, Basen has mentioned, if you just go to the rural areas, you probably need to, you know, brush up on the Spanish or <laughs> translator, you know, so. Now, if you guys are keen, if mm -hmm. you are keen to go to that part of the world, especially Honduras, yeah. uh, to work in the community, so just visit and experience how they live. Uh, please reach out to me once all this is sorted if you want to get to that part of the world i i can arrange it for you guys no problem yep thank you yeah thanks vasan um so just to re-emphasize the places that vasan has went it's mexico uh he and uh, from new york to mexico mexico he went by guatemala he went to honduras nicaragua uh, and all these places that he mentioned uh, if you need anything or to 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 how do you go about uh Basen has been probably like i'll just say uh what uh, i'll just say you're almost like the adopted child of them right their country i mean six months honduras 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 man you're adopted yeah. honduras so if anyone needs advice i think you know you can always look up for Basen because he's been there or oh, boy six months i think we'll uh, as we come as we come to conclusion uh, shortly we will just ask you know how you know when uh, your journey back when you were stuck in um uh, on US, uh to, to to make things fast uh, yeah. to just cut short time so from yeah. um nicaragua i went to costa rica i was there for two weeks uh, so i told you i was with this uh, family yeah. costa rica i went to panama in panama there was this beautiful family uh, yeah. i was staying with uh, gamma gamalier and the mother and yeah. so we arranged to speak to the governors of the areas right. governors of the area uh, all these people so that's yeah. gamma gamma was my translator he speaks really good english yeah. he was translating about sdgs and how they can align uh, the development of the area to align with the sdgs and initiate local projects uh, if you see the picture, there'll be two ladies there. If you see the full picture, that two ladies, uh, we got their buy-in and uh, spoke to them after that. And now they're initiating because they govern small areas, the smaller areas of the area. Now they're initiating a lot of sustainable projects and uh, uh, waste management in their, the areas they govern. So that went really well. And uh, after that, I got the chance to speak uh, 
in the radio station. So this guy invited us in to speak about sustainable development and how the youths can contribute to uh, create changes around them. So we spoke about that. Yeah, so that was Panama. <laughs> After Panama, I was supposed to go to Colombia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was super interesting because uh, because the entire project is for me to travel on land or sea. So it was like if I hitchhike bus or I take boats and ships. So from Colum from Panama to Colombia, I could not go by land because apparently it's super dangerous. There's yeah. a lot of guerrilla and uh, cartel activities in the border. Okay. And the other choice I had was to take a boat from the canal into Colombia, which would take me four days and cost me $500, oh. right? Yeah, but I was surviving on $250 a month. So that's not possible boat. And the other option was for me to fly, but that would jeopardize the entire project. So I decided, you know what, I opened up the map and saw there was like, it's land, it's connected. And uh, there was, I was able to go, so I, Happily went to the border. I couldn't go past. I was, was stopped by the military and was told to return. Um, so I almost got shot. Uh, anyways, uh, return and I decided I couldn't do much and uh, going because the Honduras University and the villages were doing work. So I decided to head back to Honduras after talking to them to yeah. do a bit more projects and then plan what I can do next. Yeah. So I went into Honduras, that was about February. Yeah. And I went to this village called El Tule. Yeah. While I was being there with the communities, discussing and planning our next project, the entire country shut down. And globally, everywhere, all borders were shut down. So Corona happened. And I was stuck in the village. There was no exit. No one came in. There was about 15 houses in the village up the mountains. Um, there was no access to food. There was no excess. Uh, it started raining at that point. Yes, and um, when it rains, we don't have electricity. Like three or four days of a week, we don't have electricity. When it rains, the water is like Nescafe ice. Oh. So while, be, uh, while being there, uh, the villagers were nice enough to give me a house to live in. Mm. They had space, about half an acre of uh, land. We decided, you know what, I'm going to clean this land and cultivate something so that we can have food. So we cleaned up the land, I cleaned up the land and uh, plant corn, yuca, um, ubicayu, chile, tomato, whatever I could, whatever seeds I can find, um, garlic, whatever. So I just planted, I was also testing out. And uh, I think I have pictures somewhere. Uh, I did. I was able to harvest some corn, some red beans to eat. Mm. And uh, when I came back, there were like one whole sack of corn that was harvested, the villagers were eating there. There were long beans the villagers were eating there. It was, it was nice. They sent me pictures. So yeah, so I was uh, basically stuck in that village with no electricity, no water. Uh, next to no internet for six months just being with the villagers and after seeing me doing all the harvest uh the villagers also started like uh, small farms within the area within their house and um, 
So yeah, we had food to eat, but not much. Yeah, but we had food to eat, and the villagers were so nice. There, we just shared resources. We shared with each other whatever we had. Yeah, yeah. And then, and, the, really and then I think it took you a couple of months before you got back to Malaysia, right? I was in the village about five and a half months. Which that, was, that was not planned for, right? Because you were supposed to. No, that was not planned. No, it was not. I was supposed to continue mission. I was supposed yeah. to continue going, going to Colombia and go all the way, finish Central America, head to yeah. Brazil or Argentina, find the cargo ship or whatnot to cross into Africa, and yeah. travel on land from Africa to uh, Central Asia, South Asia, and Southeast Asia, and come down to Malaysia. Right. But yeah. yeah. So that didn't happen. I was actually not planning to come back. Right. I thought what uh, I didn't expect Corona to go this far. I thought it will, it will subside, it will chill, then I can continue my mission somehow. Right. But uh, the government there only opened up the border for one week and I had to leave. And like I was financially stuck. I was gone. I was dry. Yeah. That's when I posted the video and I asked for help. And yeah. In three days, my Malaysians are so great. Malaysians are great. Like, in three days, I had enough funds to get my flight back home. And, uh, that, was, that was very touching. So I got back home. Yeah. Once I reached, I realized, you know what? It's time, it, it's, it's time to contribute back. And uh, that's when I decided to start the farm and provide like cheap food for the community around me. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the story. There's, there's a lot more to this story, but like, to cut yeah. short time, if, if you if you guys are keen, we can set up coffee sessions. Yes, definitely. I think the next, you know, uh, Vasan, you know, that was really, really touching. I felt, you know, I, that's why I ran out of words to say I, I, I couldn't because, you know, I had, I literally have something like a written script to ask you, but I went all off chart because of the way you mentioned what you went through, nearly got shot. Uh, and for those tuning in on again, I didn't know this whole story, even if I talked to Barson to plan out the session, but this was my chance. This was for me to give him the platform to share his story because I wanted to learn as much as all of you who are tuning in today to see where Basin goes. And obviously what you just mentioned just blown my script away. And that's why some at some points I, uh, of the conversation, I sort of stopped or paused because it, it went off totally what, you know, what, what I want to say and, and what you just shared it was just incredible, you know. And, and I think that little life lessons that you just mentioned that what brought you back and all this happened for a reason. Your back um, always gives me uh, gives me one line to share with everybody, lah. Whatever situation mm -hmm. we go through, whatever challenges you face, whatever you are dealing with, there is a purpose behind it. If you yep. just choose to believe that there is a purpose behind it, we choose that there's greater things ahead. Because if we choose to say, "Hey, this pandemic is causing me other stuff." I, I look at what you just mentioned, Vasan. Like, I'm just incredible. I'm just really, really grateful for what you just said. Uh, I'm really, really inspired because you just said, you know, despite the, you're supposed to have your plans to go out to Argentina, Colombia, yep, yep. this whole, this, all of these things hold you back. And 
sort of, I wouldn't say the word false. A lot of us, a lot of people would just say, oh, Basin was false back. But I don't think so. Looking no, at where you come from. I, I think, think the universe has decided it's time for me to yeah. I say yeah, it's yeah. purpose, you know. I say it's 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 a calling that hey, you've done enough, Basin. It's time for you to come back. It's better things now. That, you know, there's better things for you here back in Malaysia. And, and I and, the consideration was this. Yeah. At this point, everyone globally we need we need all the support we can, and this is exactly when ABCD comes in. We really need to rely on our assets we have to to build ourselves and the community around us. Relying on external, like, you know, import-export is paralyzed. Yeah. And Malaysia, our, our food import is about 50 billion, the last I read. It's, it's crazy. And Malaysia, our staple is rice and we are importing rice. That's, that's how can we import our staple? It, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I think it's a calling, yes, as you say. Uh, we need to do something about it. And I think that's, that is my project next. That, that's my next project. To that's incredible. Community. Yep. Incredible. And guys, I think, you know, his story where he shared his journey about Central America, Mexico, Honduras, Panama, Costa Rica, the way he went through it. That is like an amazing race on its own, man. And Basin, seriously, these countries are not easy. Uh, 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 how would I just mention it? Uh, some countries that few of us would ever think of going because of the thoughts of, hey, they are very harsh, uh, Mexico. But you know what you just shared with us uh, mm -hmm. says a lot about what uh, about these countries are ah, they really are eye-opener what you just shared they're really nice and yeah. what the media and, and i think one of the things is don't always believe what the media portrays because sometimes the media is very bad uh, and i always believe in that sense that the media is always most times biased uh, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's let's not get to that conversation that's you won't, you won't go into that i won't go into so, but that anyways yeah. uh reading uh and exposing ourselves to resources or literature will only give us the safe surface picture of it. Yeah. If you want to know the real story, I would suggest for you to go dive deep into it and experience it yourself and write yeah. your own story. Uh, that will be better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Experience it yourself. I think uh, yeah. I think that's a good way to to put it, uh, don't mind me. Sorry, I mentioned that because often, you know, you the media sometimes portray different things. Uh, but they, they are just doing their thing. I'm not putting on that. Yeah, like, it is what it is. We are, a lot of us are aware of how, how system works. Yeah. But the, the choice is this. It's like this. That if, if the choice is this, you see a river. So you can choose to swim upstream or downstream. Yeah. Swimming upstream, we are going to get tired and we are going to give up at a certain point and just be or drown. Or we can go downstream and just follow the system and work our way through and uh, reach out and do what we can to save ourselves and save the people around us. Similar to, similar to this, if you are going to go against the system, we are going to complain, we are, we are going to get tired, we are going to drown, yeah. or we are just going to give up. Or we can follow the system. I'm not saying following blindly. Yeah. Just be 
and reach out and do what you can do while going down so that you don't drown and die and give up. That's good. That's a really good advice for all of us, man. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, Vasan, thank you very much uh, for taking my pleasure, time my friend. to share this. And I hope, you know, for those watching, especially your friends, this is a very interesting journey. And for those who wants the... Uh, especially for Basen, your guest who wants a bit of the slide, uh, you know, you can forward that because I forward to you the slide if they like to know where you journey. I don't know, yep. but uh, uh, just if for those who really just want to see no more, uh, you can be uh, especially Honduras again, Honduras that part of the world, be connected with Basen as well. Uh, if you need a contact, you can reach out to me and uh, I will reach out to Basen and we'll. We'll communicate from there. Uh, if you guys, for sure, are, for sure. guys are very interested in what Vasi's pro next project is as well, because as he said, he's going to do next project is farming. Currently, with Arik, who is online right now, uh, who is with us on Zoom now, who is uh, spectac uh, spectating. He's also part of the team. And if you guys are very interested in that kind of stuff, uh, farming or community development. Barson is the person you should look out for as well, you know, and uh, from based on his experience going to, Can uh, going to Honduras, Central America, wow, just mind blown. Um, yeah, Vasan, really, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on board. Yeah. Uh, my pleasure, Jesse, my yeah. pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for opening up your platform. Man. Yeah. I Just hoping, you know, we can reach out to people to share your story to know how the community is behind the scenes and yeah that that, that really gives us an insight to how fortunate we are here in this part of the world indeed and we are we are, we, that, we are uh, a bit too fortunate <laughs> very very i in fact we are very very fortunate um yeah. but yeah i'm just gonna say goodbye to our Facebook audience, uh, but thank you for tuning uh, tuning in. We're just gonna, you know, uh, thank you for joining.